that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord God. Hide me behind your cross so that those who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will have a desire to get to know him. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. For the time that is ours to share together, I want to talk a little bit about what is that? What is that? So I was at one of our members' house uh, helping them muck out uh, the stuff after the flood. And I stepped outside to get a little bit of fresh air. And uh, right when I came outside, there was a truck, a pickup truck with couple people in it and some supplies on the back asking the people if they wanted any food. Uh, One of the neighbors to our member asked him, well, what kind of food is it? And the man driving the truck said, it's MREs. And the, the neighbor said, you know what? I had enough of MREs when I was in the military. I'm going to let somebody else enjoy that right now. Uh, The truck drove off. MREs is short for meals or ready to eat. And they have an interesting history in the military. Uh, The food is designed to be used and eaten on a battlefield. Because... They don't bring Rudy's barbecue or Papa Do's or, or, or Kelly's country cooking out on the battlefield. Out there, Big Mama is not cooking anything in the kitchen. You are not getting a hot plate out on the field. So they have these MREs and soldiers will have to eat an MRE from time to time. Uh, during the Civil War, there was a poem written about MREs. It says, uh, the soldier's fare is very rough. The bread is hard. The beef is tough. If they can stand it, it will be, through the love of God, a mystery. Uh, they had this type of cracker for the Civil War MREs that was called hardtack. Uh, they passed it off as bread, but they could, said it was, they thought it was hard enough to stop a bullet. And it was served with some salted beef or pork. And then they had some beans and some coffee. And none of it tasted very good. By the time we got to World War II, the Korean War and the Vietnam War, they had what they said was called K-rations. Uh, they could fit all of this, the, the meals in a can. And in the 80s, the, the Army began to vacuum seal the rations and make other improvements. But the improvements that they made to the MREs was not so it could taste good. 
It was so that it could be nutritious or they have enough calories in it to sustain the soldiers on the battlefield and last a long time so that they can have a, 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 a shelf life of a long time. They'll make a bunch of them and carry them out so that they would have them. Uh, so they were bland. Uh, I read that soldiers were known to carry all kind of spices and Tabasco sauce in their rucksack because they wanted to try to make the food taste somewhat better than the bland food that they got to add some flavor in it. And, and so the, even though MRE stood for meals ready to eat, they said that there was a running joke going around that said it was meals rejected by everybody. <laughs> um... The MREs have gotten a little better. I've heard there's a variety of of different foods in there now, but people aren't just lining up to, to, to get an MRE. Matter of fact, there's actually a competition that goes on from time to time, a cooking competition where they bring in veterans who, and they try to prepare the MREs and make them into something better, but you have to use the ingredients of an MRE. And, and by the time they get done with it, it, it looks nothing like the meal that you had uh, in the vacuum sack. But as long as those are the ingredients, that's what goes on. But that is something the, the, MR, the, the, the soldiers have to deal with when you have soldiers out in the battlefield is trying to feed them. And the people of God in the text that we read from Exodus, they were like an army. Uh, They had just seen Pharaoh's army go down in the Red Sea. And they marched all the way to the Sinai Desert. But once the danger, the immediate danger had passed, just like any other army would, they got a little relaxed in their their thinking and they got a little relaxed in their posture and actually started complaining. They started looking at their food situation and complaining, just like a soldier on a battlefield will be missing their favorite uh, restaurant overseas. The the Israels were remembering the cornbread and the flesh pots, which is literally a bowl of cooked meat they had while they were in Egypt, and they were wishing they could go back to the past. Now, it's one thing to look fondly on the past, but one thing they were overlooking at when they were looking at the past of being in Egypt is that while they were in Egypt, they were in bondage. Uh, uh, they, had, they may have been eating better in Egypt. They may have had a better materialistic situation while they were in Egypt, but they were still being owned by another human being. Yes, they have been eating better, but if they were in bondage, if Massa gave you three hots in a cot, would you still be okay working on the plantation? Uh, uh, they literally wanted to go back to bondage because it was familiar to them and that's what they knew. So they were complaining to Moses and Aaron about their situation because they wanted to go back to what was familiar even though what was familiar was killing them. Ah, they, they literally wanted to go back and there's always a desire to go back to what you once knew. There's always a desire to go back to what's been familiar to you. There's always a desire to go that, but that wasn't healthy for the people of God at that time because Moses was trying to take them out of slavery and into salvation. He was trying to take them out of bondage and punishment and take them to the promised land. But as they went through these changes from going from punishment to the promised land, there were some stops and when they had those stops, they complained. 
This is the mentality that kept the people of God from going to the promised land in a timely manner. It was that kind of mentality that got them there. And because they did that, they, because they had this mentality, they took 40 years to make an 11-day trip. I say they took 40 years to get from Egypt to the promised land when walking would have normally taken them, taken, sorry, 11 days. It's in Deuteronomy. I'm not making it up when you go home and read your Bible. I mean, we read Exodus for the text. We read Exodus for the text. But we ought to look at Deuteronomy uh, chapter 1. And when we get to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 1, around verse 2, I believe, they'll say it very clear that they took a 40-year trek for an 11-day trap, uh, an 11-day passage. And that was part of the problem. They got used to it because they, they got used to doing the things the way they'd always done. And when God said it was time to move on, they fantasized about the good food they had while they were in Egypt. They wanted to be at ease. When they were in Egypt, they got everything rather that they got with ease. God was trying to take them to the promised land, but they were still holding on to what they once had. Ah... Uh, the present situation was uncomfortable for them. They went from living in houses to being a bit nomadic. They had to walk around the wilderness. So there was no place for them to sit down and plant roots and grow a garden and grow the things that they had. There was no marketplace for them to go to. Things were uncomfortable for them. But they were only going to be uncomfortable for a temporary time. They may have been living in tents. But the tents were temporary. Ah, the people complained, and this is what Moses and Aaron said here. This thing is going to happen. God has heard your complaints. Even though they made these complaints against Moses and Aaron, God heard them because that's who the complaints were really against. God told Moses to free the people. Moses didn't tell God. I'm going down to free your people. We, we talked about this uh, uh, not the week before, uh, three weeks ago when, we, when Moses came to the burning bush. He didn't ask for that assignment. God gave it to him. He heard, the, God heard the cries of the people and said, I am going to deliver you. He didn't say exactly how he was going to deliver them. He didn't say exactly what they was going to have to go through in order to be delivered. He just said they were going to deliver them. Because sometimes if we get caught up in the means, we don't want the end. We can say, I want to lose weight. But if somebody stops talking about, I need to stop eating that double quarter pounder with cheese, large size, no onion, with a hot and spicy chicken on the side, and mix that, and instead of eating that and start getting into a salad, when we get to the means of how we get from point A to point B, a lot of people would stop doing it. Uh, people say they want to be one of the greatest basketball players in the world. They want to be like Kobe. They want to be like Mike. They want to be like Steph Curry. But when you start learning that somebody like a Michael Jordan or a Steph Curry or, or a Kobe Bryant spend hours in the gym, 
shooting 10,000 jump shots a day over and over and over again and lifting weights over and over. Well, maybe I don't want to be that good of a basketball player anymore. (laughs) There's a means to the end. God was taking these people out of slavery and into the promised land, into the place that God provided them, but the way they had to get there was going to be a little rough. Uh, And so these people complained and Moses did what God told them to do and Moses affirms them four times in the text over and over again and lets them know that God had heard their complaints. You might think nobody is listening when you are going through. You might think that nobody is listening late in the midnight hour, but I stop by to tell you that the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver you from them. The Bible says that weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. So when you think nobody has heard your cry, God has heard your cry and God will deliver you. Ah, the the complaining comes several times in the passage, but God still provides. Uh, The the, the chapter 15 through 17 of Exodus is a lot about God letting them know that he is still with them. It's a lot about, it's a a whole lot in there about knowing that the same God that saved your life in Egypt, the same God that has pulled you out of bondage, the same God that had Pharaoh's army drown in the Red Sea, is the same God that is walking with you in the wilderness. And that same God is going to be able to carry you out of it and you'll be coming through it looking like pure gold. You won't look like what you've been through. You won't look like the struggles you've had. You won't look like all the problems and trials and tribulations you had. You'll be better on the other side. Ah, The creator is greater than any created thing. Sometimes we need to change our thinking when we run through these problems. We need to stop telling God how big our mountain is and start telling our mountain how big our God is. I'm going to say that again. We ought to stop telling God sometimes how big our mountain is and start telling our mountain how big our God is. He is the creator and ruler of everything. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the ancient of days. He is the lily in the valley. He is the bright morning star. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. He's above all things and there is nothing he cannot do. Ah, The creator is greater than any created thing. And the text tells us in verse 9, these people are in this trouble. They are hungry. They're, they're wishing they were back in bondage. They, they're, they're not liking the current situation, this transitional situation. And Aaron tells them in verse 9 uh, of chapter 16, it says that then Moses spoke to Aaron, say to all the congregation of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. Uh-oh. Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. So when you have these troubles in your life, a better translation or a transliteration of it would be to draw near uh, or, or to gather to worship. So what Moses and Aaron was saying that in this time of trouble, in these difficult times, that is not the time to stop coming to church. That is not the time to stop trying to reach out to God. That is not the time to stop fasting and praying. That is not the time to stop reading your Bible. That is not the time to stop fellowshipping with the saints. That is when you need that even more. Amen. 
Draw near for he has heard your complaints. He has heard what's going on in your life. Now you need to come together to worship. And when he says to come together to worship, you'll see the glory of the Lord. The word in the Old Testament that they use in Hebrew for glory is literally translated weight. And not weight as in a particular time to come or exercising patience. Weight as in pounds, kilos, grams, ounces. Weight. The glory of the Lord is heavy. It's literally saying that when you go to God with your problem, I'm Johnny Simpsonizing it, but when you go to God with your problem, the Lord is literally going to throw his weight around in your situation. Uh, He's literally, this is the most influential person you can have a relationship with in all creation this this biggest fa- this biggest thing that for you is willing to throw its weight around for you you just got to draw near to him and because they draw near together and because God had heard their complaints he did something about it uh, God gave the people something daily he gave them bread and meat He gave them manna and quail. And I imagine that the manna that he gave them, the bread that he gave them, was a little softer than hard tack. Uh, And and I imagine that that quail was a little better than salted pork or spam or something else that you could can up and last for a long time. And and not only that, but it only lasted a day. It only lasted one day. Uh, They had to continually go back to God for provision, except on the sixth day when they had double the amount and that so they didn't have to go out and do any work on the Sabbath that they could rest. Uh, 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 they, They went, we read verses 2 through 15, but if you go home and study Exodus 16 and 20, you'll see that some people tried to hold on to the manna that was provided, even though they were supposed to let go of it day to day. And because they held on to the manna that was only supposed to last a day, it got moldy. (laughs) You don't want to hold on to moldy things, amen? Amen. (laughs) You don't want to hold on to these things. It had a terrible smell to it. And they had worms in it, literally maggots, because they tried to hold on to something that was moldy. But they ate the manna. And they ate the manna which neither their forefathers before them. They were in a foreign land doing things that the people that had gone before them have not done. Sometimes for God to bless you, you are going to have to go places your mama and daddy did not go. You are going to have to go places your friends and family have never been before. Sometimes for God to bless you, you are going to have to say and do and experience some things that are out of the normal. You are going to have to follow some really strange instructions, but nevertheless, God is going to show up in those times. The Bible people had to step out on faith and follow some instructions. They didn't have time to sit down and plant wheat, but God God still gave them bread. 
Ah, they, 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 whenever there's a miracle in the Bible, there's some instructions. There's some things you got to do. You got to step out on faith and do some things you may not normally do in those situations. God told Abraham, the father of many sons, the father of any nation, to get out of his homeland. Get out of the place that he'd known and move to another country. And because he got out of his father's land, he blessed him and made his name great. God told Noah to build a boat, even though it had never rained before. He told him to build that boat, even though it never rained before. Had no use for a boat. He still built it and got blessed. Uh, God told the Israelites to step out into the Red Sea. And when they crossed the Red Sea, they crossed it on dry land. God told them to do something they had never done before and follow those instructions. God told Elijah to tell the widow to go get a bunch of jars. And when she went and got those jars, they got filled with oil and she was able to pay, to pay off all her debts and leave. God told God moved with Jesus, told him to get a bunch of vats of water and we're going to turn it into wine. There was a paralyzed man that was healed by Jesus because all of his friends were willing to tear the roof off of a house and drop him down in it. You got to be able to do some things you ain't never done before. Ah, when God, God, Jesus told the fishermen to cast a net on the wrong side of the boat and they caught more fish than they had caught all day. Miracle after miracle in the Bible. You got to step out on faith. Ah, miracle after miracle with, with men, some things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. This is a gift that was given to show that God had heard their cries and gave them an answer. God showed up and made a way out of no way. He attended to the needs of the people and the timing of the gifts would have let them know that the same God that brought them out of Egypt is the same God that is walking with them today. If he did it before, he'll do it again. The same God right now is the same God back then. This story of manna and it was it was is a rough time for the people. They are going through some changes. They are going through some vicissitudes. They are going through some trials and tribulations. But the same God that is with them then is the same God that is going to be with them on the other side. We 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 read we read Exodus 16. And there's a rough time going on cuz that's why they're in the situation. But if you go to Deuteronomy 8, later on after they got out of the situation, it doesn't seem so rough. Uh, Deuteronomy 8, 11 through 16 says, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by keeping his commandments, his judges, and his statutes, which I command today, lest when you have eaten our full and have built beautiful houses to dwell in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and, and your gold are multiplied and in all that you have multiplied when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who led you through great and terrible wilderness and there were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water who brought you water out of the flinty rock who fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you, that he might test you to do good in the end. Uh, to paraphrase it, when you get to where you're going, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget that God brought you out of these troubles. Don't forget that God did this for you. It may be rough right now, but when you look back over it, when you look back over what 
what you've been through, it won't seem that much. You're going to look at the situation you're in. And the things might be strange now. But when you come out on the other side, you'll be that much better for it. When I think back over my life, when I think about the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, thank God for saving me. They, they look at this situation and they're going to be better on the other side. And just like God provided for them, then God can provide for us now. Um, God continues to provide and, and I like that it was called manna because manna in Hebrew does not mean bread manna in Hebrew means what is that what, what is this and they called it manna because they literally did not know what it was. We, we think manna now, we think bread. But manna back then was truly, what is this? What is it that God has done for us? What is this? How did this come to be? How does God keep making a way out of no way? What is that? How has God woke me up this morning and started me on my way? What is that? How has God been able to continually put food on my table and clothes on my back? What is that? How is God just wheel in the middle of a wheel? What is that? How does God bring me the people of God out of bondage? What is that? Well, how does God continue to provide bread and meat for me in the, in the wilderness when there is no place for me to get it on my own? What? is that opening up blinded eyes what is that healing the sick what is that raising the dead what is that setting the captives free what is that taking two feet of water when others took way more what is that being able to build the church back on your own and help the community out at the same time putting up sheetrock on one day and passing out bleach on another day what is that having life health and strength what is that sending a son through 42 generations to walk on the earth what is that to live a life I couldn't live what is that to die a death I couldn't die what is that to go to Calvary and take your sins and my sins and everybody's sins and take them to the cross for us what is that to die what is that but on the third day to rise again with all power in his hand what is that in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.